1: Hello and welcome everybody to a very special edition of The Grow Show on CannabisRadio.com. Thanks for joining us. I'm Kyle Cushman. Today, I'm moderating a debate where we will discuss the California Proposition 64, which is the California Marijuana Legalization Initiative. You may have read about it being called the Adult Use of Marijuana Act. Here to debate this subject are Chris Conrad, a court-qualified expert, witness on cannabis. He will represent those who are in favor of the proposition supporting legalization recreational marijuana for persons aged 21 years or older under state law. Sean Kiernan is with Weed for Warriors Project. He will represent those who oppose this proposal. Now, let me explain the format for our debate today. Before I get started, I do want to announce that CannabisRadio.com will be having marijuana election night coverage. And this election season, nine states have major cannabis initiatives on their ballot. And in keeping with the climate of this election season, cannabis is one of the most controversial topics on the ballot, starting at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on November 8th. CannabisRadio.com, one of the most respected media outlets for legal cannabis industry, will be hosting six plus hours of live television and radio. And this broadcast will be televised live on Cannabis Radio along with this debate. So now let me explain the format for our debate today. Chris and Sean will each have a chance to give a three-minute opening statement, and I'll alternate questions as to who will get to answer first. First guest will answer, then the second guest will respond to the answer, and I'll come back with follow-up questions, and I'll allow both guests to have dialogue back and forth. And then at the end, each guest will close with a three-minute closing statement, and, and then I will give my summation of the show. So I'd like to start out by reading what the sample ballot of the general election says about Prop 64. First, I'm sorry. Let me uh, welcome Chris and Sean to the show. Chris, you there? Yes, I am. Thanks for coming to the show today. And Sean? I am, sir. Wonderful. Thanks for being here, you guys. This is really, really important for everybody, and I'm really excited to get into this. So let's start. I'm just going to read what it says here in the ballot. It says, Prop 64 marijuana legalization initiative statute legalizes marijuana under state law for use by adults 21 or older, imposes state taxes on sales and cultivation, provides for industry licensing and establishes standards for marijuana products, allows local regulation and taxation. Fiscal impact, it says additional tax revenues ranging from high hundreds of millions of dollars to over $1 billion annually mostly dedicated to specific purposes, reduced criminal justice costs, and tens of millions of dollars annually. So now, Chris, we discussed this a little bit earlier before the show started, and Sean very graciously decided to allow you to have the first word. So if you could give the listeners a quick biography of yourself.
2: Sure. Yeah, I've been active in this movement for quite a long time. I started in 1988. I uh, have been involved in uh, tons of different things. I was a coordinator for the Proposition 215 campaign. I worked on Senate Bill 420. I worked around the state getting local guidelines put in place for this issue. And uh, Position 19. I've been consistently working in favor of medical marijuana, industrial hemp, personal rights to cultivate and grow marijuana, a regulated market. And uh, this initiative actually does most of those things. So I, why don't I just go straight into that? Uh, people can ask more about my background or come to chrisconrad.com to read more about the initiative or to learn more about me. Basically, um, I work as a marijuana expert witness in the courts. And so I see a lot of the carnage that's going on right now. This Really, you have to go back when California made marijuana illegal. The legislature did not do any reforms until 40 years ago in 1976, when it turned possession of marijuana from a felony that would get you a year in prison per joint that you had to a uh, misdemeanor that's a $100 ticket. Then the next time the legislature did any reforms for non-medical use of marijuana was in 2010 during the Proposition 19 campaign just before the election. They further decriminalized marijuana to so an ounce is an infraction rather than... The um, uh, penalty. Now, the thing is, is that in the meantime, the voters had stepped in and done prime And so that's what stuck. The legislature was in the legalized personal uh, po- cultivation and possession of a small amount of marijuana for personal medical use, provide safe and affordable access. Basically, it took them seven years. They created a defense, which is before 420 collective defense. Then it wasn't until last year, 19 years after voters asked them to do something, that they created the MCRSA, the Medical Cannabis Regulation Safety Act. And in doing so, they dismantled the SB420 collectives. So ev- starting in 2019, when this medical marijuana bill goes into place, you either have a license or you were a felon and you're going to be everybody who grows marijuana at home. Uh, if they're a patient, the local governments are allowed to ban that cultivation and you were stuck. And the market will not have access to marijuana. And if you get in trouble, you're looking at felonies and misdemeanors and serious jail time. This is what the legislature has created for us. And so Prop 64 is where the voters are being asked to step in again and set things straight. What it does is it legalizes small amounts of marijuana, specifically an ounce of concentrate and six plants at the home. It reduces penalties across the board for everything else except for. It, it creates a regulatory system which is similar to the Medical Cannabis Regulatory and Safety Act from the legislature, meaning that it creates agricultural licenses where people can go ahead and grow marijuana and sell it commercially with it, et cetera two licenses from the local and the state governments. Uh, but it's mainly got these different parts. So it's got a social justice section. It's got a regulatory section. It's got a tax and revenue section. And it's got, legalized it legalizes industrial hemp by taking away the requirement that farmers have to have a DEA license in order to grow industrial hemp. So when you add that all together, I think you're going to see that this is something that's really good for California moving forward.
1: Sure. Well, thank you, Chris. Uh, You know, that does sound wonderful. It sounds a little bit like everything that we've been waiting for uh, in this culture to go forward. So thanks for that description. And now, Sean, if you could give us a brief bio and a description of how you see the legalization issue shaping up. So, you know, I'd like to give a
3: shout out to Chris and, and all those people working for Prop 64 who have done a lot of good and, and say thank you very much, especially from myself. And my bio is, is as simple as this I grew up in Los Angeles. I joined the military in 89 through 90 and to 93, spent almost all my time in Central America, ironically, fighting the drug war and also uh, the Marxist guerrillas down there at that time. From there, I got out, went to UC Berkeley's Business School, Haas School of Business, Business Administration. And then decided to work in in the hedge fund community up until 2009, uh, where I basically decided to to leave and come out to San Diego from New York. And through my own experiences that you can watch on CNN Weeds 3 and Vice Stone Vets, the second one on Weedikit, and many of the... We've done, uh, got involved in the in the movement in a very different way than Chris and most people, where I started working in the movement for Sue Sisley, the University of Arizona professor who was fired. And you know, Chris has a tremendous amount more time in the movement than me, but my my you know, what we are now is working on the front lines. And I think that's that's where the difference is. There's no doubt in my mind that Prop 64 will create a a legal environment. And that legal environment is good in, in many ways. I I think the biggest issue we have at the Weed for Warriors and myself is what we see is is there's a bunch of cracks that a bunch of people are going to fall through. And maybe we're too idealistic in that we're trying to, you know, look at the poor vets who tend to be poor, working class. They are not going to be able to participate, in our opinion, in the legal cannabis community. And therefore, they will be in the black market and have the future governor and president maybe, of the United States, calling them bad actors in his Modesto B, uh, it sets up, you know, that the prohibitionist will continue their war on marijuana just on the black market, which, in my view, given my extensive background in business and economics and analysis, it has a very real chance of being much bigger than it is today. Um, so I think that the law of unintended consequences was where I will focus on why I think Prop C- bad for California, and particularly bad for disabled vets, disabled people in general, and anyone on a fixed income. But it is going to create a legal market that's very good for people who have the ability to participate in it, and that tends to be people with money. So I'll leave it there as
1: my introduction, and I look forward to this conversation. Well, thank you very much, Sean. I want to thank you for being so respectful and thanking Chris for his work. I want to thank you for your work with veterans and wounded warriors and such, and for your service as well. I also want to mention that there was a quick break there, and we might have lost when you were saying that you do believe that this could create a a negative unintended consequences type of situation. So the first question I'd like to ask you, Sean, is, you know, give us an idea on how you believe Prop 64 would negatively affect specifically veterans and the veteran portion of our community. Yeah, no problem.
3: So, so let's talk about that. You know, veterans, you know, a 100% disabled veteran, meaning, for example, we have Jose Martinez in Apple Valley who receives $3,000 a month. He lost both legs and an arm to an IED. Look at someone like that, and he smokes, and he goes through probably two ounces a day of cannabis. Someone like that is, and you go into these uh, dispensaries, let's say in San Diego, where I'm from, you walk in these dispensaries, let's say any of these uh, Torrey Pines Collective, you're paying $60, 70 80 for an eighth, uh, you know, $180, $200 for an ounce. Guys cannot afford that. So the option that Chris and that side will say is, well, you can grow your own. And that's just not a realistic option for many disabled vets, whether it's because of where they live. They live in a community home, an apartment complex. So, you know, let's take a veteran who's dear and near to our hearts, Jose Martinez. He's a triple amputee, lost both legs and arm in an IED in Afghanistan. He will smoke two ounces a day of cannabis or go through a similar amount of of wax or extract. So someone like that is not, you know, they get about $3,000 a month from the military to live on. He has a wife. He doesn't have any children. But that's just not going to enable him to buy and procure the amount of cannabis that he needs in the dispensary setting that will be the legal outlet. And so someone like that, unfortunately, is going to have to turn to the black market, meaning the friend who sells for a lot cheaper, you can buy an ounce for 80 bucks or $70 of the similar amount of cannabis. So when we look at that, Chris and the other side is going to say, well, you can home grow. Again, someone like that and many of our disabled vets, that's just not a realistic option. So one of our concerns is, and, and you know, our, our favorite Lieutenant Governor Newsom said this in the Modesto B, one of the legal market is going to be the elimination of the market. He called them bad actors. And so when he calls someone like Jose Martinez, who's going to have to turn to the black market, a bad actor, what he's really saying in our fear is he's, he's, they're going to turn loose the prohibitionist, the marijuana you know, prohibitionist state to fill the jails onto the black market. And that is going to be a lot of disabled veterans. Yeah, it's going to be diverters, people growing to send out of state, but it's going to be a lot of disabled veterans, poor people, working class, you know, dock workers that don't have the money to buy $60, $70, eights. And that's before the tremendous uh, taxes we're going to see put on these things. So our biggest fear for veterans is simply this. You are going to force them onto the black market and criminalize a group of individuals who have done so much for us. And it's not just veterans. As I said, it's all the disabled, the sick, the poor, the working class. And so it's a continuation of what we see in this country on all wars, a war on the poor. Ironically, Gavin Newsom, who argues against this, now justifying a system and pushing for a system that's going to continue and accelerate the war on the poor, which, if we're going to be honest, is most enlisted veterans. So that—that that is the best way I can say it.
1: I, I I hear what you're saying, Sean, and before I, I turn this over to Chris, I want to say that um, my understanding uh, is that uh, this law would definitely bring prices down, and that's one of the big fears that people who are opposing it, uh, specifically the – Uh, we'll call them mom and pop type producers, is that they're going to be run out of the business because the larger producers are going to be able to produce it at such a more efficient rate that the prices are going to come down. So Chris, I'd like you to address Sean's comments.
2: Yeah, well, um, the first thing, of, of course, I would I would join in and give kudos to Sean for his work that he's doing there, and to the vets who have gone out and um, you know struggled for this country, and and it's a disgrace the way our country has treated people since they came back. I think that he's misdirecting his uh, uh, his concern here. The problem is that the legislature struck down all the defenses last year and all these veterans everybody's going to be facing the same felonies for doing the same things that he's talking about now unless they're part of the medical system the medical system which is going to be more regulated than the non-medical system that prop 64 does it's going to be easier to get into the business with prop 64 making it easier for people to get access to these different things like uh uh, sean it's completely easy under this initiative to go ahead and uh, have a nonprofit that's dedicated to providing low-cost marijuana to veterans in fact the hardship of the group could be consideration they uh, there's this question as to whether there should be a special license specifically to do that in fact in the initiative otherwise you would be able to do it yourself but what's missing out of this whole equation to me is i didn't hear anything in there from sean that said why keeping marijuana illegal why keeping all these felonies in place is going to help veterans uh i, I do believe that people growing marijuana there's going to be a way that people are going to bring the price down. I believe that the fact that we're going to have more competition is going to bring the price down. For people who need two ounces in a short amount of time or who are using the wax and uh – say, the full extract cannabis oil, we're going to need to have big scale production to get those prices down right now. I don't know if you know people who are using a gram or two a a day of that uh, oil. That's very expensive. So we need to move this to the next level. And as long as we're hobbled in this situation where only medical marijuana patients get it... uh, By the way, here's another thing. Uh, This gets away cops from searching people for for the odor of marijuana. Vets are not going to have to buy a doctor's note in order to be protected anymore. They're uh, going to have uh, the opportunities to... uh, do a lot more stuff, get into the industry, even if they have prior arrests with this initiative, without it, that's not going to happen. Uh, this is opening a lot of doors for people, creating opportunities for groups like what Sean is doing to really reach out to the veterans even further. And and I think that when you look at the whole thing, this is a really good initiative. And I think we should vote yes. It shouldn't be limited just to medical patients. All people should have access to marijuana.
1: Well, that's a good, good question, Chris. Sean. Um why do you think it would be better to leave the law as it, as it is, as opposed to passing this proposition?
3: Okay, and again, we're going out, and so I'm going to – I think I heard everything that was said. I don't. Uh, I'm a huge supporter. A lot of the patient groups who are against this are huge supporters of a legalized market. Absolutely. If you ask me one of the things Prop 64 is going to do well – is something they're gonna it's gonna raise taxes, and I think that's an important thing. I mean, I think we can give back to the state and do a lot of good things with it. Now, the problem is there's 200 plus pages with the three parts that begin MRSA uh, and or Mercursa now, and then the Prop 64. The economy is to scale the price. I, I just you know, Milton Freeman, a Nobel Prize winner, said this anytime the black market can provide a good, cheaper. Than the legal market, it will exist, and I just don't see it getting to a price that it will eliminate the black market. Primarily because remember, you've got fifteen percent tax rate you're putting on this excise tax through Prop sixty four. What we see right now is your localities are putting tax rates on this at up to ten percent. Then you're going to have a, a state, you know, your local regular sales tax, and then you have the VAT tax. So these guys are going to be paying up to forty plus percent taxes with regards to. Seeing cannabis, So the idea, and Russ Belville said this in the debate we had in Sacramento, that cannabis prices are going to fall dramatically in California that has such a developed cannabis market, I would I would take exception to. I don't see opening up the cannabis market to 40 million people overnight and the expectation. And, and listen, we're on the front r- lines. We, we know most growers. We see what's going on. Just don't see the cannabis prices falling to the extent that they're going to compete with the black market and pull close the black market. So that's the first part I would say there. But so I'm not against the legal market. We support it. The economies you guys talked about, I think they're wishful thinking. And with regards to, you know, the illegal and legal, listen, we hate McCursa. And it's our standpoint that if Prop 64 doesn't pass, a lot of Mercusa is going to be sued in the court of law. And just like plant counts in SB 420, that they will be ruled unconstitutional because people need to understand that basically AUMA is a voter-passed initiative. Prop 15 is a voter-passed initiative. They are superior to anything passed by the Senate, the Assembly, and signed by the governor. So anytime anything signed by the Assembly or the Senate and signed by the governor challenges or impedes onto Prop 215, we as individuals have the right to go to a court, sue, and say they're violating the voter-passed initiative. Now, there's some debate. I mean, obviously, much of McCurse and – That's out there. This is a dirty little secret is up to interpretation. You know, we had a conversation with Amanda Ryman when this first came out, when I first read it, and I had some questions and she forwarded me an email from someone who obviously wrote this thing. And his answer was simply this. Well, he says we can't he can't give cannabis away. We don't agree with that. But It doesn't say anything in the initiative. So what we're doing is we're we're making judgments based on these things that may not follow through. A lot of it's going to be dependent on the marijuana czar. A lot of it's going to be dependent on the the bureaucrats who you're asking veterans to have faith in. And trust me, I don't think anyone in this country has more experience dealing with bureaucrats than veterans. And it normally does not turn out well. And I'll take exception to uh, one thing that was said. AUMA with MACURSA is still prohibition. We are still criminalizing the own, you know, the the much of the cannabis world. I mean, if you're caught with over an potential jail time. So you have a lot DUI. We talk about the DUI issue, you know, possession. I, my understanding, and maybe Chris disagrees, is you know, after they put these things in childproof bags, I'm about to break in. Okay, and ba- basically, what we have is when these childproof containers have to go through now if you open you know an ounce and you're at your friend's house and you put it in your car and you drive even the next day you are guilty of possession in you know open container in a car so i don't think people understand that there's still gonna be a lot of criminal uh, uh you know prosecution and prohibition and many pit people are arguing more so than now because prop 215 is very vague so it leaves a very good affirmative defense to a lot of behavior, where when you have AUMA and Mercursa, they identify so many, over 300 pages of rules. And I think anytime you introduce 300 pages of rules and laws by the state, the idea that criminality is going to go down is naive. I, I think there it's, it's going to be a lot different than what the pro-AUMA side is painting.
1: Okay, well, you know, you, you definitely covered a lot of ground there, Sean, and- I do understand your trepidation, as I'm sure that Chris probably does too. You know, we are all sympathetic, I believe, to each other's cause. You know, it's definitely an opinion and not a fact as to what is going to happen going forward. uh, Because a marijuana industry of this size has never existed before in any type of free society. I'd just like to read something here from the voter book as well it's under section e it says there are currently no laws governing adult use marijuana businesses to ensure that they operate in accordance with existing california laws adult use of marijuana may only be accessed from the unregulated illicit market the adult use of marijuana act sets up a comprehensive system governing marijuana businesses at the state level and safeguards local allowing local governments to regulate marijuana-related activities, to subject marijuana businesses to zoning and permitting requirements, and to ban marijuana businesses by a vote of the people within a locality. Chris, could you speak to me on why this is going to help us? Well,
2: so I I have a lot of stuff to address from that previous uh, set of statements. but um, So your question is, why does it help us? Have the localities be allowed to banned cannabis is- businesses?
1: no, that was the last thing basically what I, what i'm what i 'm asking is um, presently now uh, the country calls us the wild wild West. California is known as the wild wild West of marijuana. Uh, everybody knows that we 've had legal marijuana for fifteen twenty some odd years. Uh, not everybody knows that it 's called Prop two fifteen, but everybody knows in california you 're allowed to smoke pot, and all of these years that i 've been living in California which is 13 going on 14 or 15 years, I've been wishing that we would create some kind of a, a system for regulating marijuana. And so now, according to what I'm reading, uh, that is the whole specific intent um, is to create this uh, a body of laws and by doing so, uh, al- allowing more regulated businesses Will that, or in, in my estimation, that is going to maybe not eliminate, but it is certainly going to weaken the black market.
2: And so what I would say on that whole thing is um, I think it's damn well about time we do this, frankly. You know, I've I've been on this for 40 years. The the legislature has totally sat on its hands this whole time. I agree with Sean. I don't have any faith in the bureaucrats either, but I don't know why his solution is therefore to hand it back to them and let them make up an opinion. What we've got – and I think another example is you're talking about 238 pages of legislation that have been produced, only 62 of that. Excuse me, 300 pages, 62 pages, that is, from the initiative. The other 238 is from the legislature. So the idea, if you go through the legislature, it's going to make things simpler, isn't a good system. The other thing that's unspoken here is what's going on with the illicit market. We've been lucky that there have been not be a lot of people harmed by marijuana, uh, not because marijuana is harmful, but because we've got this situation where we don't know what people are spraying on that marijuana up in the hills. I've tried to grow organic marijuana, and it's not easy. Uh, I think you know that, too. And it's happening to some people that they just go ahead and start uh, spraying chemicals on things. Uh, uh, we, we got uh, people who were uh, two of my friends disappeared up in the hills went up to buy medical marijuana and never came back so you know so it's not like this is just oh everything is so great we're, we're hearing all these reports about the uh, trim migrants, the people who work as trimmers uh, where women are being abused and in one case because she wanted to leave and they didn't want her to leave because they didn't want anyone to know where the grow was you know these kind of abuses if we have a regulated assault things we have i go to grows and i see people have cut down Four hundred year old trees wiped out hillsides, filled in streams, pumping water out of the springs in order to grow marijuana. That should be done in a regulated way. And so, critical, uh, and they're all. Covered. I think Prop sixty four has done a great job. And and the other thing that we've got to look at here is this whole whole notion that that if it's legal, that more people get arrested, and that, that just doesn't make any sense. If so you do get in trouble, instead of facing a
1: felony, you're facing an infraction or a misdemeanor, or it could even be legal what you're doing. So. So I want to jump in right here, and, and and I want to make sure that everybody listening here, as well as both Sean and Chris, understand a little bit. You know, everybody can probably tell that I want a legalization bill to pass, and I might even go so far as to say I want this bill to pass, but the reason I'm doing this show is because – two what I consider, educated, dedicated professionals on the show so that we can talk about this. And I want to, I want to stay away from extreme examples of, of people like that, and I want to make sure that, that we really get to, down to the nitty-gritty. So we're going to take a quick break to show some show love to our sponsors, and then we're going to get right back into this debate with Sean Kiernan and Chris Conrad.
0: The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman will return once we cultivate through this short commercial break. Mindful of sustainable practices and limiting their environmental footprint, Sansal hemp is always grown outdoors, as nature intended. By starting with uniform genetic profiles, Sansal ensures the plant will maintain its optimal performance and yield consistently throughout its life cycle. It is through innovative processes that Sansal is able to achieve pure whole hemp extracts and meet industry requirements and the level of quality desired by many of their customers. Healthy plants
4: Growing green is good. Making green is great. CannabisRadio.com
0: Time to plant some more conversational seeds. You're listening to The Grow Show with Kyle Gushman, only on
1: CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody, to a special episode of The Grow Show on CannabisRadio.com. We are speaking with Chris Conrad and Sean Kiernan, debating, discussing the pros and cons of Proposition 64. So I've got another section I want to read here from the uh, the Voter's Guide, Sean, and I'd like you to address that and tell me what, if anything, this means to you. Under Section F, it says, Currently... Illegal marijuana growers steal or divert millions of gallons of water without any accountability. The Adult Use of Marijuana Act will create strict environmental regulations to ensure that the marijuana is grown efficiently and legally to prevent wasting water. I'm not setting you up, Sean, because I know who's not against pesticides or against water usage. So you can comment to
3: Hey, you know, I think it's a great uh, question. Kyle and Chris touched upon it. I think it's really important that everybody understand the black market is not going away. So a lot of these promises that we saw like in the Daily Cow when they said one of the reasons to vote for this is these illegal grows are going to go away. It's just not the case. Important to everybody understand in the state of California, a big part of the illegal grows are for diverting cannabis outside the state of California. That is going to continue. So these environmental issues will continue important that when we talk about, like Chris said, women in cages, etc. I agree, Chris. I mean, listen, Chris, if that happens, call us up. We'll get vets in the hills looking for people. (laughs) I I haven't heard anything. And trust me, no one's more involved in the growing up in the Emerald Triangle on the hills than than us in terms of knowing the people. And we haven't heard that. But obviously, if that's an issue, that needs to be addressed. But bottom line is this is not going to
1: remove illegal growing. If it is not going to eliminate illegal grows, is it not going to limit the number of people who are arrested in a legitimate sense?
3: I, I think there's arguments on both sides. And it, the argument against it is, remember, you're opening this market to 40 million people. The black market is going to be as strong as ever. People are going to be growing in their garage illegally without the permit. Permits are expensive. And that people supply more
1: arrested. So do you believe that there will be a greater enforcement effort placed – than there is actually now? I think there's a very good argument that that's
3: absolutely the case because you're giving the police and the prohibitionists very detailed laws and rules by which they can go after people. Now, what happens when the police raid one of my veterans who has 12 garage? They take it, but they don't arrest him.
1: What about um, jury nullification or just the simple fact that when police officers go out to uh, have arrests, they have to have some idea as to whether um, the community that they're uh, working in is going to want to convict this person or not. So I'm, th- I'm feeling like uh, these, these set of laws are going to raise the bar for what is going to be a legitimate arrest. Uh, I
3: would disagree and I'll tell you why. I mean, and Chris can help us here. I think 70 plus percent of all counties and, and places have under MRSA prohibited growing in dispensaries, et cetera, already. I just got arrested in 2015. I think there's no one on this show who understands what's going on in the, the legal community uh, in the courts better than someone like myself who not only deal with poor kids,
1: I deal with it weekly throughout the state. And I was I, arrested in 2010. There you go. Ended, ended up with eighteen months of non-reporting probation, so I, I can relate.
3: I, I, yeah, I got a little different. I got uh, two months on a, a ankle bracelet and three years of reporting probation. You know, the, granted, I was doing. I was shipping cannabis to veterans outside the state, uh, so I take my punishment as, as uh, reasonable. Uh, so, bottom line is this: no, I, I think you are giving the police. 200 plus pages of laws and rules you're giving bureaucrats 200 pages of laws and rules that are much more detailed than prop 215 affirmative defense which makes it kind of ambiguous which is actually good when you go to a court of law although you do have to deal with the arrest these cities that don't want it these counties that do not want it are going to become more aggressive going after the people who are growing and the problem is if you're now in a city that or a county that. D- Or doesn't allow anything to cannabis you've got to go to someplace else or you got to get in the black market so that's our fear okay
1: chris so why do i believe that um that the mere presence of this law is going to limit police activity well because it limits police activity a lot of these things you're not going to be arrested you're
2: not going to be a prosecutor if you do the things that are legal legal it gives us solid uh, guidance as to how that's supposed to work, what's legal and what's not. Now, I, I think that – So what, uh, about,
1: what, what about the people who are not following the laws? Is there – my understanding, and, and, and it's not just from reading the law, it's a bit of a, just an intuition, is that when you make something legal for adults to use, that the whole perception of it is going to make things better. Yes? No? Well, I, I 100% agree.
2: I, that's why I'm very strong yes on 64. I think it changes the whole dynamic. There's plenty of things I need to address in here. First sure. off, Prop. Two fifteen is fifteen is very specific. It says a patient and or caregiver with a doctor's recommendation is exempt from two laws. And that is the um, cultivation and possession laws. That they have to prove it in court. That they have to prove that they're a patient. That it has to be a prior recommendation. That local governments can ban uh, home grows. That local governments can ban businesses. Uh, that and if you get convicted, you're guilty of felonies and you will be sent to prison. The next thing is that SB four twenty, which is really referring to, that's the vague one. And that's the one that was eliminated by the legislature last year and replaced with these 238 pages of strict regulations, which I believe are untenable, the Medical Cannabis Regulation and Safety Act, which they've already written once. So what Prop 64 does is it dials that all back, makes it into a situation that is workable. Things will be legal. Things will be decriminalized. People are going to be released from prison. People are going to have their records cleared. People can get into the industry. I disagree with Sean. I think that competition is a good thing. You open it up to more businesses. That's going to bring down the prices. So, I, I Sean, what, what do you
1: have to what do you have to say yeah. to that about that that uh, more people are going to get out of jail? Well, listen, and- yeah, yeah.
3: Let's talk about that. Uh, one, uh, I think that when you talk about the people who are going to benefit and not benefit, people with money are going to benefit. They're not going to be touched by law enforcement. But as we see it with the judicial system in our country and in California, the poor working class—remember, which is the veterans because they're disabled veterans are not treated the same. They don't have bail. They don't have access to an attorney. And so when they remember can't get access to cannabis through prices, they have to start resorting to the black market, which, again, those rules, and like Chris says, they're the ones who are going to be taken go after by the DAs and the police. So, again, one of our big objections is this. Prop 64 and McCursa is going to legalize cannabis, right, for rich people to provide and use cannabis. People in Gavin Newsom's Marin City. Uh, but what it's not going to do, it's not going to help disabled veterans like Jose Martinez, a triple amputee, access and use cannabis in a legal way because he can't afford to get the cannabis on a level of paying 67 dollars and eight with the taxes. And again, I just disagree. I think the black market's going to explode. I think the, the idea that uh, cannabis prices are going to cr- In California, which had a very mature cannabis market to begin with, so looking at Washington and Colorado just isn't the same, is naive. And so I I appreciate what Chris is saying. We all want legal cannabis. But introducing Mercursa and AUMA, and remember, AUMA is needed to make a lot of Mercursa legal because they need that voter-passed initiative to supersede Prop 215. The view that they're painting isn't realistic, and it's not going to happen.
1: Well, you know, I, I just have to say here, I, I, I want to thank you guys for, for this debate. You know, everybody has got a legitimate fear, let's just say. I don't really think that this is about, um, of course it's about the facts, it's about the the letter of the law, but I think it's equally about the fear of the unknown. Listening to both sides... I've been doing not just today and on the show, but um, it's kind of what I do. Um, I exist, Kyle Cushman exists to further the idea that cannabis, medical marijuana, is good for society. And and what I'm seeing is that we have so much to agree on that there are a lot of specifics that we can't agree on, but I just see, personally, I see a lot of things like taking the marijuana market out of the hands of the illegal and and making a regulatory structure requiring non-medical marijuana to be comprehensively tested by independent testing services for the presence of contaminants, requiring non-medical marijuana sold by licensed businesses to be packaged in child-resistance containers. There's another issue that we haven't even touched on yet, which is the Adult Use of Marijuana Act ensures the non-medical marijuana industry in California will be built around small and medium-sized businesses by providing large-scale cultivation, but by prohibiting large scale cultivation licenses for the first 5 years. Sean, do you not think that the small businessman's going to get a fair shot in this?
3: Yeah, that is an issue for a lot of small growers that I know. Given we're not really in that, it's not an over, it's not where our primary concern is, but obviously a lot of other people small growers are concerned about that and whether or not it's set up in a way to fall through on how you describe it i think it's a question i think that you hit it on exactly this is about interpretation and people have different interpretations i absolutely want to support and protect the small growers the family business the mom and pop so i hope it does what you say but obviously a lot of people disagree with you
1: so, Chris, uh, you know, I want to give you a second here before we, we end this uh, second to last segment that we have here to give us about how you think the business end of this is going to end up for, for small businesses, small to medium sized businesses, and what are their opportunities?
2: I think this initiative is very welcoming to small businesses. Uh, it creates a license called the micro business license that replicates our beer, craft beer and winery models. So, for example, you know, you can go and buy the two buck chucks at the grocery store or you can go ahead and go to a, a winery and get it. So this we've been seeing with wine and with beer that we have the mass Production And we also have the small production and they're able to survive side by side. And this initiative is written to base that marijuana market on that same thing. I, I think with a lot of things that we're talking about here, like, you know, about what's going to happen with the black market. The first thing is the penalties, are- and that's good for everybody. The other thing is that when was the last time you bought a beer from a bootlegger? You know, uh, yeah, it's going to take a while for that to work out. Back in the the hills in America, uh, they just don't get the business. So this is going to be a a change that's going to happen over time. I think that what this initiative does is it takes our robust market that we have today, and instead of quashing it and destroying it like uh, McCursa does – and by the way, the courts are going to rule at MCS that the legislation that was passed last year is constitutional because the initiative – Doesn't change the two protections that Prop 215 gives. And we've already seen what the courts have said about that. So this is uh, be held unconstitutional. That's a uh, very bad basis to make your future decisions. This initiative will also not be held unconstitutional. It's written to go along with things. And basically, it creates new opportunities, new jobs, small to big licenses. The big licenses wait for years to decide whether they get there or not. It has anti monopoly provisions. Uh, People with priors can get into the business. You know, it's got anti hardship provisions. You have appeals. If you were denied a, a license, a lot of good stuff for the businesses. And I think that the, the fear that we have here is unfounded. Don't be afraid. Vote yes on Prop 64.
1: Well, thank you, guys. This debate is a very educational and entertaining. I appreciate it. We have to take one more quick break, and then we'll be right back with our closing comments from Chris Conrad and Sean Kiernan.
0: The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman will return once we cultivate through this short commercial break. and play while you like yourself a joy the business of cannabis should be no crime can ink is even hot proof by the man who won high times oh yeah get it on Android and i and iOS today marijuana llama out got to tend to me on crap channel you know. money don't make itself ink.
4: the political climate is at a fever pitch and the fight for the social fabric of America is set for battle this November. Tuesday, November 8th, the Cannabis Liberation Movement takes a huge step forward, and Cannabis Radio is here to chronicle this legendary moment. CannabisRadio.com and the Cannabis Radio News Team will feature wall-to-wall live coverage of all the coast-to-coast voting of state amendments, ballots, propositions, and initiatives that will further progress the Cannabis Crusade. Join us November 8th for Vote 2016, The Path to Cannabis Freedom. Only on CannabisRadio.com. How high do you like your profit margin? CannabisRadio.com.
0: Time to plant some more conversational seeds. You're listening to The Grow Show with Kyle Gushman. Only on CannabisRadio.com.
1: Hello and welcome back once again to The Grow Show on CannabisRadio.com. We are having a wonderful discussion about the Prop 64 coming up on Election Day. We have Chris Conrad here, court-qualified expert on cannabis, and Sean Kiernan, who runs Weed for Warriors. Uh, you guys have been great, and uh, I really wish we had more time. I'm sure we could go another whole hour on this. But basically, I'd like to give you each three minutes to sum up your position on Prop 64. So we started off with Chris. So I'm going to give Sean, I'm going to give you the, the last word first. Okay. Yeah, great.
3: Thank you. So I, I think what where we differ a lot is very few people think this is great legislation. What we hear is we know there's a lot of problems with it. That has to be worked on post passing AUMA, and, and that's our concern is because the analogy I would use is the old Elmer Fudd, Daffy Duck, Bugs Bunny cartoon, where Daffy Duck is saying, shoot him and Bugs Bunny go shoot him, shoot him, shoot him. <laughs> so, you know, when we talk to normal and we talk to DPA and MPP, they say you guys are right behind closed door, that there will be cracks in the people falling through those cracks the poor people and the disabled and their argument is let's work on that afterwards. And our concern with bureaucracy is changing it afterwards is going to be impossible. And maybe we're a little naive, given we're veterans. We don't want to leave our brothers and sisters who got us here, the sick basically because of medical marijuana behind. And, And so when I look at that, I think that's our biggest issue and so when we say, do it right the first time, SB 420 expires in 2018, you know, let's do it right the first time. When Jerry Brown got everyone in a room, he said, pass this. And we know uh, Alice Huffman, of the NAACP, we know these people, we talk behind closed doors, they know there's problems. And so when we look at it, we're saying, do it right. Don't, don't say, oh, you're giving us a few little crumbs. Let's take this. I mean, I call that the Stockholm syndrome. And a lot of these things are giving us like CPS. They're just really not. I mean, I went through, this with four kids. Most CPSs in California's rules already, you know, hey, cannabis should not be used as a sole reason to take someone's kids away. It's already the rule. So a lot of these things we're being given aren't really being given. And I don't call this legalization. The correct economic term is regulatory capture. They're trying to capture an industry to tax the hell out of it. And like what bureaucracies have done since the beginning of time, they screw it up because all they care to optimize the tax receipts because like the Laffer curve says, they're overtaxing this thing. So do we want to empower the state of California to take care of our sick, disabled and, and poor? And the answer is they haven't yet. Why should we trust them now? We've, these people behind. Let's do it right in 2018. And I promise to work with Chris and respect the voters will. So what happens, uh, we're going to work with these guys to get it right. I just hope that you vote no on AUMA so we can get it right, really get it right in 2018. So vote no. And uh, Chris, thank you very much for being respectful. And I would come on. Uh, the show again, to talk about this with Chris before the election, and I'll come on afterwards. So again, thank you, everyone, Kyle, for all you've done. And Chris, again, regardless of the debate here, I respect you immensely, and thank you for all the work you've done in this industry.
1: Sean, I got to thank you very, very much for your impassioned comments and for the work that you do, and we respect you as well. Keep on doing what you do. I'm going to turn the mic over now to Chris. And Let's hear your final comments, Chris. Thank you, Kyle,
2: and thank you, Sean, and for this opportunity to talk about this. It's very important to our voters, and I hope you join me and Vote Yes on Prop 64. It's time. It's been 40 years since the legislature did any serious reforms on this issue. Uh, Prop 215 is 20 years old, and it took them 20 years to get around to creating the regulatory system. It's really time for the voters to take control of this and move ahead. If you think we would have medical marijuana were it not for the voters, then I, I would disagree with you, and the legislature is not going to come back and legalize marijuana in 2018. I have in eight that the legislature is going to come back, and it just doesn't happen. What this initiative does is it will use sharing, possession, and transportation of marijuana, legalizes and regulates the industry, and it opens it up so that more people can come in and join in and take advantage of the opportunities that we have here in California to expand this market. It doesn't legalize everything because we don't the environment were destroyed. We, If we allowed out-of-state sales, the federal government would come right in. So it has to be restricted to some extent. But this initiative does uh, a lot of really good stuff. It, it uh, legalizes adult use, licenses and regulates the industry, Raises taxes to help clean up the environment and homeless youth, and uh, $50 million specifically to communities that have been harmed by the drug war. Uh, it brings people with prior records, releases people from prison, clears their records, lets them get into the industry. It allows our state to have industrial DEA interference anymore. Well, no, it can't solve every problem. But what it does is allow the legislature to make changes and, and as uh, so it's Most importantly, it's going to stop the arrests, release people from prison, stop bans on home growth statewide, which the medical marijuana laws have allowed to have happen. It's going to uh, make it so that police cannot search people over the odor of marijuana. That alone is going to help a lot of people in color. Uh, And and then um, the thing that's most important, though, is the legislature can never again make marijuana illegal. They can continue to resolve whatever issues are. Sean can continue to do everything he's doing right now. And he can without this initiative. The thing that we can never cannot step in there and make marijuana illegal. And that's the bottom line for us right here. We can always improve upon the things. This is not a static situation where on Election Day, it has to be exactly one way. The world's going to change. The market is going to change. A lot of things are going to change. And so this initiative gives us the flexibility to move forward that puts us onto a new level. The social justice of this thing is so profound and even more important in a way is the message it sends to the world. If we vote no on this initiative, we are grinding to a halt the, the results of more than 20 years of progress on this issue and saying, well, we're at the finish line, but let's not cross it because maybe the legislature will be nice to it this time nonsense this is the time to take the step forward if we do this it's going to create a situation where if alaska washington oregon california and then uh, canada said they're interested in legalizing mexico's interest in legalizing we're going to have the entire west coast with me and we're the generation that can do this and this is the election this is the vote and that vote is yes
1: thank you very much wow chris i thank you as well I got to thank you both for really making this a really good discussion. I'm honored that you both came on the show for me. I thank you for your time. And we will all speak again soon. Hopefully, we'll be doing it in a room where we can share a joint. What do you think of that? (laughs) Sounds good to me. (laughs) All right, you guys. We are about (laughs) out of time. I thank you guys for your time. (laughs) And thank you, guys. Bye. So, I've got a couple of minutes left here, and um, I think I'm going to give you all uh, my summation of what I've heard today. Basically, I think that we have a lot of really respectful people in this cannabis community, and I know for a fact that we have a lot of people that have been fighting for social justice and to right the wrongs that have been done to not only the cannabis community, but the entire community of Recreational drug users, you know? I mean, um let's keep it to marijuana now, but I, I think that there's a larger issue at hand and that's the drug war. So, you know, I'm gonna have to say that after after listening to all of this here, that um I am definitely for Prop 64 and the reasons are that it's going to regulate cannabis and make it safe for people to use. That's one of the biggest things the money is going to be funneled from the black market into legitimate and very worthwhile causes you know i come from the the, the place where if you have a reason to vote yes on marijuana you vote yes and and That's not why I'm voting yes. I believe Prop 64 is a good bill, and there are many provisions in there that really make me happy and make me smile, from the fact that uh, the odor of cannabis can no longer be used to search a person, his premises, or his property. That's going to keep a lot of people out of trouble. Um, The fact that uh, simple infractions by young children in school that may be 17 or 18 and might have a prior record. So that would lead the, uh, the authorities to want to charge them as an adult. They're not going to get end up with a felony on their record starting at age 17 or 18. Um, so again, I just really, really, really want to thank everybody for uh, debating this with me. And the main thing is, gosh, everybody, election coming out. And if anybody out there listening, mind that they are going to, Get out and vote on November 8th. I say to you, you are making a big mistake. This is a pivotal time in our country's history. Get out there and vote. Vote your conscience. Vote what you think is right. Unfortunately, we are out of time. I want to thank our guests and producers for making this show possible. Please make sure to check out my website, kylecushman.com. Follow me on social media. Upcoming events I'll be attending and subscribe to my newsletter. You can find new episodes of The Grow Show every Wednesday by going to CannabisRadio.com or subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. I want to mention again that CannabisRadio.com is announcing election night coverage. And so starting at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on November 8th, CannabisRadio.com will be hosting 6 plus hours of live television and radio this broadcast will be televised live on Cannabis Radio so I want to say goodbye to everybody, thanks again for joining us as always, please stay lifted